You are listening to Just a Couple of Jerks with me, Paul Winstanley, and another regular person from the IT community. This week, I chatted to Chris Roberts. You may or may not know Chris, but Chris manages a huge config manager environment, and I was keen to chat with him about that. He manages over 100,000 devices. So how does he cope with that? You know, does it make any difference when you get above a certain number? Those sort of things. It was interesting to chat to him about that, but we quickly moved on to things not computer related. And we chatted for ages about music and his interests in Tim's Twitter listening parties. Uh, Tim being Tim Burgess from the Charlatans. Anyway, it's a real corker and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Yeah, it, it, it's for somebody that's used to being at home quite often and, you know, I've got the run of the house. I can go where I want. I can do what I want. I can be on calls whenever I want. And then all of a sudden you're sharing it with everybody. And it's the same as you. I've got teenage sons, so I'm not going to see them. We don't see them until gone lunchtime. So yeah, it could be fine. For to goes down, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And it, that's a, that's an interesting one, that, actually, because we, we were having building work done um, two years ago. The one thing we found out is if you want to get your children to come and actually see you, um, actually take the internet down. Because I did warn them. I said, hey, guys, listen, we've got electric work going on today. I have to turn everything off. Yeah. But you know they, they, that doesn't compute with them that by the way if you turn that off i'm going to turn the router off which means you're going to have no access to the internet no com no no com computing is happening there on that and then we turned you know we turned everything off and suddenly come down in total panic the internet's gone down what are we gonna do in life <laughs> And, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. They started sweating and shaking, did they? <laughs> it feels like that. It's, it's, it is definitely, I mean, it's definitely like a, a drug withdrawal for them to actually have Isn't to sit there and go, yeah, by the way, for the next two hours, you may have to see your parents, you know, and you may oh, have to geez. talk to us on a one-to-one -one basis if you want to continue that communication level. And then the other son turns around and says, no, 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 it's all right, I've got 4G. Um, like, <laughs> like, there you go oh, then gosh, life's yeah. complete <laughs> yeah yeah oh, it, it's it's unbelievable isn't it i mean you know i mean we're as bad with the phones aren't we when, when we're all you know we're on commutes everyone's sat on them we're all tapping away we're as guilty as they are uh they just it's when they emerge from the room it's the only time you see them come out of the rooms isn't it a hundred percent. And as you say, we we are guilty of it. I don't know what you're like. We are, hey, when we get around the dinner table, we do ban phones, right? Or we try to. Uh, and then I sit there and I know that there's something happening. It could be it could be football, right? It could be a football game going on that I want to see like the updates from or it could be um, something at work happening that I'm just kind of and, and, I, and it does it kind of like really you should be switching off 
but you're not because yeah. you end up kind of like i'm just gonna have a sneak peek and you shouldn't but you end up doing it so it's terrible just, isn't it i mean you think about 20 odd years ago we didn't even have any of this and and now we're totally consumed by it and you know the morning routine you know uh, oh let me just check my notifications and everything that's all happened and that's why you're lying in bed and you think geez i need to get a bit of a life really and try and try and stop that in some way uh, but it's but it's hard isn't it it's, it's yeah. terrible it's you do you do exactly what i do exactly what you say it's funny and i bet you we all all in actually it's not just the industry it's it's wherever we are i, I wake up in the morning and rather than get out of bed and and kind of like i just pick up my phone and just have a look and see what's the day yeah what's what's the day ahead gonna look like and I'm like, yeah. actually, I could ju- I could just walk down, have my breakfast or whatever, uh, and and go to my laptop to see this. But no, 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 no. I'm going to start the moment I woke up. I'm looking at my phone, like, what's happening in the world? What happened? You know, the news. You don't turn on the TV anymore. Hey, I can just flick on. I can just flick up my phone. That's what's happened today. Not a lot of point, by the way. Looking at the news at the moment, if you're if you're you're not going to be surprised with what's happening in the world by the news, are you? No, <laughs> no, not not a great way to start the day either. Let's get anxiety levels up or whatever, you know. I mean, you know, oh, here's some more bad. I mean, news is always bad news, isn't it? That's what kind of sells it. So we we have to you know read through it and all. Then you're thinking, oh my god, there's no no cat stories today. No, <laughs> that's it, isn't it? It's it's yeah. it's it's totally changed the world. It's it's, t- it's totally changed the world. It's turned the world upon his head. Um, yes. I mean, I, I, it, it's a strange one as well. What's happening? Uh, we was chatting in, in in a meeting yesterday, and and um, because of, we've got colleagues that basically have not been working from home as much as what they suddenly are thrusted into at the moment you know and it, it is big you've suddenly gone from hey you know i go into an office every day to hey i'm working from home every day um we have a regular kind of like sync up calls to you know just to try and make people feel that they're still in an office and still in that work environment yeah and and to make sure they don't feel isolated um but we were saying on the call, I said, look, this is this is the greatest icebreaker of any meeting going in the world. I said, because we can all join in a meeting and we've all got the same thing to talk about. I said, because no matter where you are in the world, it is the same. And the, the really strange thing that I found out as well, no matter where you are in the world, the same things are happening. Nobody can get toilet pipe paper. Nobody can get pasta. Nobody can get rice. I said, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Everybody went out and bought the same things. <laughs> yeah. Flour. Oh, um, yeah. A friend of mine sent me a stat from the local uh, mill uh, back up in Yorkshire. And, um, you know, the, the stats were unbelievable. You know, we're producing, say, say one tonne of flour a month or whatever. It's now per week. You know, it's suddenly quadrupled or you know, uh, but you still can't get it because there's there's so much demand for it, and it's like all of a sudden we're you know we're experts. We'll all be uh, on the next series of the British Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not, maybe not that level. But you know, we're. I mean, I used to bake bread. I've talked about this before on the podcast. We had Mike Marable on, and we were chatting about how to make a sourdough starter. I had a crack at it, went horribly wrong, and my wife went. Just stick to the yeast because uh, you're wasting the flour. You know, it's precious stuff, yeah. you know. But then you go, well, actually, I can't get the yeast either. So 
I'm going to have to work it out. But it's like, yeah, we've all suddenly got gone back to the basics of a hundred years ago where we weren't getting this pre-made uh, loaf or whatever. We're making it or biscuits. Let's just make our own because we don't want to go out. Well, but everyone's well, doing it. A hundred percent. And it's strange because I was talking to my wife about this and we were, we were saying um, th- this could change our, our shopping habits in particular, for, for, the, for the good, because we've suddenly discovered, hey, there's a local business down down the road from us, used to supply meat to the catering industry, right? That's gone. That's gone. All of a sudden, most of their businesses just uh, vanish. So what they thought is, what we've got to do is we've got to keep ticking over. So what we'll do is we're going to increase our public sales or try to. And, and we've started buying our meat from there. My word, that's what meat used to taste like when I was young. You know, it had flavour to it, and and it's not full of water, and it's not full of, you know, uh, it's just so much nicer. And then the local farm shop had potatoes. You know, everywhere else we went, couldn't get potatoes. The local farm shop had them. You bought them in a great big sack, um, and then you store them in your shed, and you go out and get what you want, and they actually taste really, really good for once. So it could change change our shopping habits. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, where you used to be a little bit picky, go, oh, there's a few eyes on this potato, let me just lob it. Now it's like, actually, just cut them off, feel it, get going, you know. Um, you know, I'm all for it, to be honest, that sort of local shopping anyway. I mean, we've got the uh, the milkman coming now. We managed to get milk delivery. And, oh you know, we, we did that 20 years ago when we first moved here. And, okay, it's a little bit more expensive because they, they're not being squeezed on margins like the, when the supermarkets squeeze them down to some stupidly low price. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he turned up at – I mean, I was awake last night at 2 in the morning. He rocks up, and him and his mate, he's got his little mate with him doing his milk round and all that, and they're mucking about together. And, I mean, are, they, are you hearing the clinking of the, the milk bottles? And I'm thinking, this is great. This is, you know, We should be doing this and encouraging this. And like you say – keep that going afterwards because do we need to fly all this stuff around the world because we want everything that's out of season uh, and as you say it tastes a hell of a lot better when you get it and, and and locally you know the fruit and veg guy he's like the local hero and i know I, I know him i go in there quite regularly before all this happened uh but it's almost like you know oh have you got any extra so it's like the old uh, wartime you know the guy at the butcher can get you the extra sausages <laughs> you know. Brilliant. That secret supply under the counter kind of thing it, yeah. it, it is yeah. it is funny actually because we used to do it we used to go to the farm shop we used to get our sack of potatoes um then you know times change uh, life gets busy um, sort of yeah, thing. yeah yeah and you've you start becoming a convenience shopper more or less you know but um it's totally changed for the last few weeks and yeah as you say i think for the good you know and you it's going to change some attitudes it could be a shake-up um in the way in which we you know source our food uh, and things like that i'd hope and you're right by the way you're talking about in season right it's it's amazing the difference you get when you say go out and i often say to my wife don't she should say do you want some plums and i'm like don't buy them why not they're not in mm. season strawberries <laughs> in december yeah. strawberries yeah strawberries don't don't buy them why they won't taste like strawberries they're not in season at the moment and you do that and you buy them when they're in season and they haven't been transported, you know, from the other side of the world and things like that. And it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference to the flavour and as well as that, you've made a big difference to a local 
producer and you've made a big difference in the environment. Totally. Nothing beats that, you know, I mean, back back in the day, I remember as a kid going strawberry picking, you know, getting it fresh straight from the field and scoffing it whilst picking it. You know, you're (laughs) munching away. They need to weigh you as you go in, never mind the the basket, you know. But uh, yeah, it's it's much, much better. Definitely. Um, I haven't introduced you yet, Chris. So Chris Roberts, welcome to uh, Just a Couple of Jerks uh, podcast. Thank you. Um, now I keep saying this, you're not a jerk <laughs> at all. Uh, I hope not anyway, but, um, yeah, so I've started this podcast now. We're quite rolling with this. I'm really enjoying doing it actually. We're having a good old banter, a bit, a bit of a chat about things. And, um, it's, it's really to talk about, uh, how we're in this IT community. You're out there, uh, on Twitter and, and, you know, you go to user groups, that sort of thing. We'll chat about all this later, but you know, it really, um, you're in the middle of all this and you get you get kind of a, a status, not a celebrity status, but a little bit. You kind of get, you know, you get thrust upon this. And, um, you know, for myself as an MVP, definitely more so probably. But you've got a huge company to, uh, to manage as well, which brings pressures and stress. Um, and ultimately, what I'm trying to say by being a couple of jerks, it's just ordinary people trying to get through the day, trying to get things done. Um, so yeah, well, thanks, thanks for joining today. I really appreciate you, uh, you coming in for this, uh, and, and joining the chat. No problem at all. I appreciate it. I was quite surprised, you know, when I got the message from you, um, cause I'm, I'm not the MVP. I'm not the, I'm not one of the superstars of the, of the client management world, as we would call it, you know, now or endpoint management, um, yeah. in that sense, but we've met a few times at the yeah. um, WMUG events. Um, yes, in London, yeah. 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 Uh, but when you say superstar, and, you know, it, that's the thing, right? But to me, you are, right? Because you manage uh, a huge <laughs> uh, setup, yeah? and this fascinates me, right? Um, and I'm just a little consultant guy in my eyes who's going around to different places, doing little things here and there. But to me, what you do is amazing. Um, you're going to tell me it's not in a minute. Should we do the figures? Should we do the figures? Should we do the figures? So there's 107,000, approximately, well, I think now we're down to about 105,000 Windows 10 systems in our environment. We, we actually don't manage the mobile devices within our team. So, um, hey, you know, that's good. That's less of yeah, our point okay. as such. Um, but as well as that, we've got some servers in there. So we've got, we, we manage these with um, SCCM primarily. Um, but we're also an Intune household now. Um, so when we throw in that, our infrastructure looks like, so we've also managed servers with our SCCM. So I think we're up to about 112,000 clients in total. We've got a CAS and free primaries. It's historical, that, um, because we were over the threshold, or at least we right. we implemented this. At the time, yeah. At the time, it was 100,000, yeah. Yeah, actually, we were just under, but we knew we'd go over. It was no point, you know. You, you, you'd sit there and look at it and go, look, we may as well, when we're planning this infrastructure, let's plan it for our future. So, yeah, I, 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 and they, they seem big numbers. I suppose now, when, 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 I, when I talk to you guys and things like that, I suddenly realise they are big numbers. But, um, they are, yeah. yeah. But then, then it's, it, 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 does it become irrelevant, you know? Um, you're managing, managing for 20,000, next up you're 50,000, it keeps stepping up. Does it become 
you know, meaningless really, just figures, or or am I am I putting that no, down well, slightly? You are, now? No, you are dead right. I always say this. I say, look, if, if, if you know, and we, I get involved with all kinds of things, and one of those is interviewing people as well that are going to come into the organisation, and we're a global organisation. So when I say interviewing, they're not coming to see me. You know, we're on the phone or <laughs> on video conference for these kind of things. Um, but, you know, and you'll get guys come in and they'll say, oh, you know, well, we've, I've only managed 30,000 clients. And I'm like, that, that's less than irrelevant, actually, because what we're going to do is we can teach you the scale, right? We can teach you, you know, techniques to manage in scale, right? But actually, the, the principles ultimately remain the same. Yeah, sometimes we've got to be a little bit more controlled about what we do. Um, and how we roll stuff out just because, you know, you don't want to roll something out that affects um, the, the oh, huge amount of pay, pay people like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but ultimately, everything that you do for 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, right, we're, we're doing the same thing. Right? Right. It's just sometimes a bit more challenging. <laughs> Oh, right. So it was pointless getting you on then. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, it, it does fascinate me. So I've, built, I, I, I've scaled sites at that level uh, in the past, but, the, 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 but that never got going. This particular project I was working on, it was to do over 100,000 devices. And so the, the infrastructure was built up, mm. but the migration never happened in the time that I was there. So, uh, you know, uh, setting up the infra for that is, you know, a bit of planning, that sort of thing. It's not too difficult. Um, but then the management of it, to me, seems uh, different. And I suppose, ultimately, it's about a team of people. It's got to be, really, hasn't it? You know, having... Yeah, and, and you know, are you, your team, are you, uh, numbers-wise, are you fairly hefty or...? Sorry, let's, let's get to give you a kind of breakdown for that. So we, we kind of, like, got split within our team as well. So I actually work as an architect across our what we call our whole cluster, so across a, a number of our operations. So we have, a, say, an individual imaging team that produces the, the – that used to produce the traditional images. I mean, we'll touch more on that a bit later where we've gone over the last uh, 12 months. But it used to produce the traditional images. There, there's, um, there's three full-time members in that team. Right. And they produce you know, a Windows 10 image, and they're also responsible for the updates to the Windows 10 image. Right. And then actually managing SCCM itself and, and the whole infrastructure, deploying out all the applications, deploying out all the updates, et cetera, et cetera. We've got um, a team of eight that does that. So, um, and, and as well as that, within that eight, you're not, you're not just doing the basics, hey, I'm going to deploy this out because they want this piece of software. It's actually when, you know, you've got somebody that comes from you within the business with a challenge and you've got to solve those challenges as well. You know, hey, we've noticed that X, Y, Z on this, on, on, on this model of laptop um, and we need to change that and can you roll out this registry key and then run this script once that registry key is on there? And we're like, yeah, fine. Have you got the scripts? No, of course we haven't. Uh, we're hoping you would actually write those for us. So we end up doing a lot of scripting and stuff like that as well. Uh, yeah, but, so uh, you, I mean, you're, you're constantly so. learning there. Yeah, you're constantly presented with new challenges, I assume. 100%. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. without a doubt. This is, it's the thing that, that gets me up in the morning, you know, with a, with a smile on my face, because I know there's going to be challenges. I know there's going to be 
Um, my <laughs> boss is going to contact me and say, hey, Chris, can we, we've, I've got this like, mad idea. And uh, can you make it happen? You know, kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh you like it. Sorry, lines breaking up. Can't hear you. Maybe <laughs> 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 phone first thing in the morning. Get back to me later. Yeah, yeah. that's the advantage of being global. I suppose you can do that. You know, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. My, my boss is based in Chicago. You know, right. so, um, yeah. you know, there's a time difference there, um, which suits me because I don't like mornings. Yeah, I'm not a morning person, so I'm often on my own. Sorry. No, it's not too bad. I mean, I was only working. I think I sent my last email at one o'clock yesterday in the morning. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a workaholic as well on that sense. Um, my wife says I like my job too much. That's why I'm a workaholic, you know. Yeah, and you, you know, you, you do come across that way. So when I've, when I've, um, well, I think you have to be probably with the environment that you're working in and the and the numbers. Yeah, I think I, I'd assume you're again another assumption here, but your team are all pretty keen on what they do. I can't imagine there's someone in there going, oh god, maybe there is. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, right? the odd one you get. Well, yeah, everybody has their off day. Everybody has their day when you're like, do you know what? I really can't face this today. But you go in, you see the challenges that are ahead of you, and you just that picks you up straight away because you sit there and think, well, I've got, we've got to solve these problems. And yeah, generally within our team, yeah, we've got the same attitude. I work with some really great people. I mean, I'm going to give a shout out now because I mean, I've got Bob Young who who will come to events like MMS. He works in Philadelphia office for us. Um, incredible guy. Uh, was originally the service owner for, for the client management team. He's now a fellow architect with me, and we constantly fire ideas off of each other. And then I've got uh, the service owner now that sits um, in uh, Austria, Renata Ratberger, uh, she's just an amazing SCCM person, by the way, particularly when it comes to the SQL side of SCCM as well. Yeah, if I if I need, if I need a SQL query right in, I just go and say, Renato, can you write me a SQL query? <laughs> because you're much better off. She she'll write it in. You know, she go. She she won't even write it. She'll say, Oh yeah, I've already got one known for you. Here you go. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what you need. Such a talented, such a talented lady in, in SCCO and, and, and pleasure to work with as well on that sense. Uh, and then we've got guys in our Asia office like R Ricky Kong and that. He's he's a he's an, a software updates expert. So, you know, if I've got problems with software updates, I, it's no point in me. And I do understand them and I could easily find the answer. Yeah. But that's why you have skill levels. That's why we have subject matter experts within our team. So I can say, hey, Ricky, can you deal with this for me? You know, it makes my life easy so I can concentrate on the things that I need to deal with during the day. But well, yeah, this is it. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's such a beast of a product, is it? That, um, you know, you, you, become, you can become skilled in certain areas. Um, I mean, my thing is OSD more so than software mm. updates and uh, architects even more so than um, I, I, I inventory or whatever but you know it's it's one of those things that you get the smes focusing right down at that level um so when i hear brian dam or whatever in the in in the in the community go about software updates or jordan uh i go yeah you know a bit more than i do about that um because it's such a massive product and and expanding uh all the time with the co-management side the intune side and these these are things that you guys have embraced i know that from 
your presentations. And, and I'm saying, you know, when you do the presentations with us, you uh, at WMOQ come across as someone who genuinely uh, enjoys what he does and is uh, and he's keen to share all that knowledge out as well and that that's 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 what I that's why I wanted to get you in today because I love that aspect of you uh and and also uh presenting didn't seem to be a challenge as well <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that shortly but I'm interested to see how your company has adapted in the lockdown then because you were already on the the autopilot uh in mm. June Mm. Uh, side of things you're already pushing that out um so is that that helped you with cmgs in place mm. you, were you doing co-management i can't remember if you uh, we were you talking with that, like, we've done that right okay we're a tap customer right yeah. um which means um let, let's let's cover that first it means that we take the early release of all the software that all the guys in the community out there are running Right. We take it and we implement it in our productive environment. Right? We do not implement it in our lab. Right? I'm going to stress that. We will take a version of um, SCCM uh, four or five weeks before you guys get it, and we'll start implementing it. Right, and we'll enroll it. Right, with the help of the product team. Right, so yeah, you've got we, a product group there helping. Yeah, yeah, we have a tap buddy. So actually, I work with we work with Rob York on this all the time. I was going right? to say, is it Rob? Yeah, 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 yeah. So here's say to us, hey guys, you know, we got this. We new versions coming out. Can you take it? Right, we commit to taking one per year. Right, actually, we we generally take all three. Right. The only time we don't is if it if it matches our quarter end closing and we just basically cannot patch SCCM at that point. Right. That's the only time that we hit issues. Right. So we take that advanced version. Now with that, right, what these guys are going to ask us to do is also look at the new features. Right. So right. we so all the pre-release stuff, they'll say, can you turn this on? Yeah. Yeah, hope not all of it. I mean, because obviously they look at what we, they know us, they get to know us and they know what we do uh, and what we're interested in and where, where we're taking things. Um, and, um, and then we're saying, yeah, okay, we're, we're, we're going to do co-management, right? So we, we did tenant attach the moment it came out, um, to, to, to actually get our Azure AD attached. And then we took co-management and we took cloud management gateway. I mean, we've had ours in place now. Uh, so I think it was since the, the, oh, at least a year and a half, two years. Right. I can remember actually we were sat down at MMS and it's why Rob, I know Rob likes working with us because we'll say to him, "Oh look, right, we're sat down at MMS and we're saying, look, do you want to we do you want to implement that um, uh, co-management now?" And he's like, "What uh, MMS?" And we're like, "Yeah." He said, "Damn, we should get you guys just up on stage to show. Hey, by the way, we're we're going to implement co-management in their environment live." He said, "Because this will be brilliant <laughs> TV, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant for people, yeah. uh, you know." And, and it, yeah, as you say, we're dealing with a hundred thousand. What we do is we take calculated, we take calculated risks with this. We know we've got the product team behind us, so when we're implementing this stuff, we do. So it means we've had code management, cloud management, etc., in place for a long time, um, and that meant that when lockdown happened. Um, 
all of our machines carried on being managed. Actually, we had direct access anyway for our traditional, traditional imaged machines, right? But what we did find out was that um, that direct access is designed to basically support the number of clients we get working from home on a general day. And then all of a sudden, we've got 100,000 clients at home. And it totally changes everything. So actually, what we've done now is we've asked some, you know, we've asked, we basically pushed out a, a, a pop-up to our users saying, hey, would you mind if we disabling um, direct access and using F5 because we've got better capacity on our on our on our F5 gateways? And and they, and they did. You know, people chose to do that because hey, you know, this is IT. You know, we're a technology company, so software, you know, SAP software company. Yeah, it's it's big, um, but the, these people actually took it on, you know, and they said, yeah, we 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 drop that and we we'll use F five instead. So that meant that suddenly our clients would be actually just on F five instead. Now the CMG comes into its own in the fact that we make sure everything does get pushed out. It did in the, even with our direct access anyway, because we push all those clients directly to the CMG. Right. We we miss miss the middleman. Don't send it, you know, split tunnel it. Don't send it through your network because all you're doing is sending it in and out on, in, in, you know, at certain times and 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 then bringing, you know, you're bringing data up to the, you know, you're sending messages up to the SCCM and then you're downloading packages across that same line. So yeah, just split tunnel it. Yeah, was our was our attitude, and we do with the F five as well. So everything's being split tunneled. We send it through the CMG. We download updates directly from Microsoft Update um, on on the clients that need that, and we download the applications from the cloud distribution point. Right. That's it. We did that. We barely, that was the part that we barely broke really any sweat. You know, we you know I had my boss saying right. We're going to switch all the users over. Do you think we're going to be okay? I was like, yeah, of course we are. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Did you have to scale up a bit on the CMGs, though? Did you? No, or did you already... Right. Okay. So I was talking about this on Twitter actually this week as well with people because you know we would they, there were discussions well, about it in Australia. Yeah, and there's discussions about how much, how much, do, how many young clients does it support a CMG? You know, and I'm saying, look, you've got six thousand clients per instance, right? Um, Concurrent connections, and that is always the key takeaway: is concurrent connections, right? We didn't. We had already scaled up eight in our environment, right? So what's that? It's, it's something. <laughs> my maths is bad. Forty. Yes, it's a, it's a figure. Right? Yeah. Right? yeah. So we're allowing that to happen, right? We already had that in place. We already had that in place because it was for our future expansion anyway, and right. that's on the Intune side. Right? But right, we actually didn't have to scale up anymore because, as you said, as you highlight there, it's concurrent connections. And if your client doesn't get a connection, it just waits until the connection's open so it can actually do whatever it needs to do. And it's only really about the policies and things like that. So it's, 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 not, it's not a huge amount of data that the client's transferring to and from the CMG itself. Yeah, the real transfers come within the cloud distribution point. So we were kind of like, yeah, we're already at that scale, you know, and if we need to, we've already got everything open so that if I need to, because the, the, the big challenge is going from using 443 to the, uh, what is it, 10, 124 ports and upwards for the, for the CMG. 
um, that's the big challenge. So I make sure, particularly if you're in a large um, corporate environment like ours, you know, making sure you're sure your security teams are aware that you need these extra ports open and getting those opened up that was that was a challenge you know when we went from one instance during our testing to suddenly one and saying right we want to put um eight instances in you know i'm like okay i've got to get this open now and you know filling out the security documents etc really important for us that side of things but once we got it open you know i was like yeah we open up the ports for everything for the whole 16 instances if we need them uh, because then as if we need to scale out, we can just go bang, 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 bang. We're scaled out already. So we already had the scale there. But it's it, and, and I know I've been quite vocal on the CMG side of things recently. And as well as that, I've even, you know, I've even shared our costs so that people can see it's 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 something like 0.1 cents per client per day. It's 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 silly. And I keep saying you cannot run a server for the amount of money that we run a CMG. And I was talking to our guys about it yesterday. We were going through the cost analysis. And, you know, some of us was like, but it's, Chris, it's $2,500 a month. I said, you cannot run a server for that. I said, you think in a corporate environment, right, the server alone, if I told you the cost of our CAS servers and that, our main CAS and our CAS SQL, mainly that SQL server on the CAS and our primaries, right? Silly specs, right? Absolutely silly specs. By the way, one of the things that I, I look at is when Microsoft released their specs. Yeah, I always look at them and, uh, and I have a little chuckle to myself because, you know, I know ours is four times the amount of memory as that four times the amount of processing power as that, right, as what they would recommend for us. But we do it because we don't want – what I don't want to do is when we, when we when we put in a server, I don't want to be replacing it or, or having to try and upgrade it in two years' time. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, don't, don't get involved in that. I want it to actually last. But if you're putting a server, you know, a server-grade, you know, proper server-grade servers in, in, your, in your DMZ, Right, and I would have to scale out the number of management points you got for that. Then I'm going to have to put a load balancer in front of them, a proper load balancer, because you're only coming in on one address. You know, do you know what? That's going to be that's going to be silly amounts of money alone for those servers. Now, once you then take in, and this is what most people seem to forget, the running costs of those servers. It's easy saying I've got a server. Anybody that's run a server at home knows what happens to their electricity bills, right? If they leave it on 24-7, right? Um, your electricity company loves you. Your wife probably doesn't when you do that. I've found out in the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, and it costs money. And then you've got cooling. And then you've got actually the maintenance costs involved, which you haven't factored in. And then... Right. The one thing you've got to do is you've got to make sure those servers are well and truly well patched. Yeah. Do not leave them exposed on your DMZ without being, you know, making sure the patching regime on those is absolutely critical. And I'm not just talking about your Microsoft patching here. I'm talking about things like the firmwares on those on those servers as well. You know, the okay. yeah, yeah. slightest vulnerability, somebody will exploit, try to exploit it. And so you've got to be really on top of your game on that. Yeah. Or you can let Microsoft handle it all for you. It's a no-brainer from my eyes. Yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah. You know, when you put it in, in those terms, it totally just quashes any kind of argument against not doing this. And like you say, it's very simple then for you because there's no management of that at all. 
for yourself yeah. is that it? it's just you know configure it off it'll go it'll go and build itself configure itself once you've gone through the wizard and, and, and done that initial pain of setting up um and that's it job done you know leave it leave it to do its its job um 100%. so what yeah, so when it came to um, – so, so you had to change maybe the way some of the people were coming into the network, but you were very easily then just getting people working remote. I can imagine SAP have got a lot of remote workers anyway, so and yeah. they're kind of used to that mentality. It's just so all of a sudden yeah. everyone's doing this. So have they, they, yeah. they, have they adopted this across the world globally? Is this is yeah, every, pretty much. Every pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, there's you, you basically, so, um, one thing I'll say, right, is our management is, is world-class. Our management all the way through the organization is world-class. I, I, I just, I've been here a long time, so it's easy for me to say, you know, but, um, as a company, you know, they will, they were, you know, the guidance they let out and that was perfect. Yeah. Really, really good right and then not only that though we you know people were prepared to work from home but pretty much all of our offices around the world are shut now every single one right you have to have you have to get uh, an approval from um managers if you need to go and visit one of our offices basically they closed down all the offices fairly early as well in 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 the grand scheme of things you know so um and they they put in so much support for our workers, you know. As you know, as I was saying earlier, and that you know, face meetings with just just general meetings with a team, trying trying to make sure that people don't feel like they're isolated. It's just such, yeah. You know, it's just such a, it's it's something you have to do because if you've got somebody that's been used to going into an office and meeting people every day, um, suddenly that changes you know and i i know from you know because because i i work from home a fair amount right and then i go into the office every so often because i need to test things that i can only test within the office environment because i need to check things on how things run on the corporate network or there's problems and i can go in and i can experiment around um but the other thing I do is I go in for human contact because actually if you're working at home on your own, your wife leaves in the morning to do her, to go to her job. Your children leave to go to school. I've got children that work as well, so they go off and work as well. Then the house could suddenly become a very lonely part if you don't have that uh, place, if you don't have that human contact. You know, There's only so many times I can look at one of our cats and think, oh, yeah, at least I've got company here. <laughs> <laughs> because they're, they're just plotting, they're just plotting how how they could eat me if I drop down dead all of a sudden, you know. So they, yeah. they don't care about people, do they? So, no, 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 not at all. It's no. not like having a dog around the house or things like that. So yeah, it can it can become a lonely place. So I say to people, you know, talk, you know, chat online, get, get you know, pull up Teams. Where yeah, we use Teams. Pull up Teams. Put your cameras on. Talk to each other. Although don't put your cameras on at the moment because I think I should have I should, I should have gone to the barbers three weeks before lockdown. Yeah, so it's getting can... messy, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I, I didn't go. Jeez, it's it's a regret in my life now. Not going to yeah, it's sort of all the other things in life. I'm just like thinking, Do you know what? I regret not going to the barbers three weeks before lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, i'm like going okay so i think my my student look might be coming coming back soon <laughs> stupid curtains and you know early 90s floppy hairs back you know 
Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Definitely, definitely happening. It's, it's, yeah, it's going to be funny what everybody's going to be like. I mean, because obviously we're in lockdown for another three weeks now. So it's going to be yeah. funny what everybody's going to look like come the end. <laughs> You're not going yeah. to have to get I mean, the thing is, gonna, I was going to say, we're going to be cautious about going back to the barbers anyway, aren't we? Not, as soon as we do come out, we're not going to, all going to be rushing down there. I don't know. I think it would be like the loo roll, you know. I think everybody yeah. is going to be, you won't be able to get an appointment. You'll go down there. There'll be like, there'll be queues out the door because obviously you've got to be two meters apart anyway. Even, you know, even when this, I think this ends and that, but there'd be a big miles down the street. Yeah. You, you forget it. <laughs> they can have like clippers on the end of poles as well, aren't they? Clipping our hair. And... Yeah. <laughs> God, isn't it crazy really? But I mean, you know, this is totally unprecedented times and, yeah. you know, SAT seems to have um, adapted very well to that. And, you know, the way they've handled it is, is fantastic really. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a huge company to be so, so quick at responding to something like so, that. Yeah. But, so from our perspective, from endpoint management, right, we've, right, we've, we've had a hard sell over the last um, six months, right, because we've released our um, Intune uh, autopilot provision systems, right, where the user takes the device away themselves and they connect it to the network and they follow the instructions on the sheet and then they end up with a perfectly provisioned SAP system. So just an insight to that, by the way, we're doing we're doing AAD join only. So we're not getting involved with hybrid join and having to deal with all of that. And, you know, the only thing we're doing, you know, is co-management, but AAD join, you know, so we're, we're, going, we're going fully modern is the way I like to put it. Yeah, we're, we're really diving in there. Um, but because we've had that, that's been a hard sell. Because what you're saying to an end user is, uh, and, and your IT teams, by the way, is like, yeah, you know how you used to give that machine that was just the user could log in and it was virtually ready. They'd have to do, you know, perhaps do a couple of things afterwards and that. Yeah, you're, you well, really, the end user is going to do that themselves. How much work? Well, it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe. You know, it really does depend. It's actually for them, it's probably about two minutes work. They just have to enter in their, uh, you know, their, their, their username, password, and, and, and perform an MFA in order to get it through the process, really. But it's still it's still part. And then if something goes wrong, you know, you use this there and, oh, what do I do? What do I do? You know, if they're on their own. And that, and that was a hard sell right up until one month ago when people said, hey, we got, we got, well, SAP's still employing, right? We've still got 200 new starters starting the company uh, virtually, you know, uh, every, you know, every week, right? So, so it's, it's, it's big still, right? And they're saying to us, hey, guys, these 200 new starters, how can we get them laptops? I'll just send them out. We'll get the intune process going. Yeah, do not worry. Yeah. So there, was, there have to be some tweaks to our processes and that with this, right? But it, it was more with tweaking rather than having to start afresh, right? Then at the uh, uh, so 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 they they got that now. The next level is though as well when our supply chain started to kind of like dry up with the devices that we normally like to supply didn't matter we're saying hey guys you know we were certifying that laptop over there yeah good cool 
Is it good? Yeah. Right. Cool. Can we start shipping it out? We no longer had to worry about integrating drivers, you know, do, do, doing all kinds of things and then running tests out of um, OSD either. It was like, no, supplying the device, it'll work. Yeah, I've got people saying to me, you sure? And I was like, yeah, of course it will. It's got an OEM image on it. You know, it's, it's a perfect device to give to our end users. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's only a slight variant on what we, what we're previously supplying. You know, and, and, and that's the beauty of it in the fact that we can suddenly our supply chain can open up to devices that we've never had before as well. You know, just to keep just to keep our our, our people working. So, yeah, because if you didn't have this, what could you do? You know, it, it, just make the logistics, the, the solution, the, all, all the components required to get that out to someone impossible, wouldn't it? So it makes it challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it, 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 and, and this has made it a breath of fresh air in a way, hasn't it? That you can just, yeah, pass it. And, and as you say, you know, a hard sell becomes an easy sell all of a sudden. Yeah, and then all uh, of a sudden, people can see where we were going. By the way, and that's right. the weird thing in the fact that what it's done is it's taken something that uh, that that people couldn't necessarily see the value in. And then all of a sudden they they go oh yeah I can see where you're going now. In fact, actually I was helping I was helping a guy out. So you touched on it um, uh, on one of your previous podcasts. Um, uh, our use of um, rings, our use of basically using early adopters, early adopters of our technology. Um, and what we do, they they get they get good support by these guys because what happens is when they're early adopting you know ask guys that are working at the third level you know or, or, or you know or, or working as architects and things like that so we're not even normally doing support suddenly we're supporting guys that are out in the field you know so they're getting that a level support you know kind of thing so i had a guy that turned around and said look once once he's got a traditional image machine he's saying that once a day I just, I just keep getting blue screens all the time uh, and it's running so slow he said can we can i is there any way i can um adopt this as an intune machine and we we're like yeah of course we can so and we talked him through it we talked him through resetting i said make sure just make sure you got everything banked up right did the machine yeah okay do a reset unfortunately actually the reset didn't work on his machine i said look just go and get a copy of nine uh, uh get windows media creator yeah get, get the windows media creator yeah um off the yeah. internet create yourself a big yeah. thing we'll we talk you through but and we talked him through and he booted it and he got right. it and it configured it he wiped his machine and it went into autopilot and suddenly he turned around at the end and he's got a perfectly working machine it's like brilliant wow brilliant that is yeah. you know, superb thanks guys you know and then they start to see the value in what we were trying to propose in the fact that actually the world's becoming remote right we're gonna you know, and i think one of the other things that come out from this is do you really need to be in an office all the time yes, as a, as a yes. This, exactly yeah. and i was i was going to mention that at the start you know those things that are changing it's not just fruit and veg meat deliveries you know does this change the way that you operate yeah. You yeah. know, do yeah. we need to do that yeah, commute? The way, the way oh, yeah, exactly. It's wasted time commuting. Uh, you know, and, uh, particularly living, living, living. I mean, I live outside of the M25, but in order to get to our office, I have to go. I go around the M25. It's it's a car park. Oh, Christ. 
There's just, you know, why? And it's the worst stretch. It's the stretch from the M40 round to the M4 and around by Heathrow. Yeah, it's the worst stretch. Oh, I, I don't want to be on that. I don't want to be saying You know, it's a waste of time. It's t- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you probably know more than what I do because yeah, working as anything in consultancy, I can remember doing it. You, you sometimes you end up out on the road. You know, I think even consultancy nowadays, you can do much more without actually going even to visit the customer as such. But still, you know, you have to go and visit your customers, and it's just like you know the times I sat in traffic and think, oh, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? You know, and and you do it. Even, even, even in you know, and I'm not a consultant. I'm working for a single company. But I sat there and I think, why do I do this some mornings? You know, it's taking me an hour and a half to get into the office, yeah, and I've got an hour and fifteen minutes journey on the way home. Yeah, that's two hours forty five minutes of my day that I could have spent in a much more productive manner. Yeah. No. No. I, I totally agree. You. Oh God, you're in that worst part of that M25, and um, you know, I try to avoid the, the rush hour but you can't can you really it's it's impossible i mean now i mean i bet it'd be an absolute joy to drive um you know my, <laughs> my son's up at, my son's up in warwickshire at university and uh, my eldest and uh, you know come june he'll need to uh, july he'll need to leave the the houses in so we'll have to go and collect in and wondering what's going to happen around that time lockdown uh, measures what you know are we allowed to go and do that but i'm thinking well actually if we are allowed to do that it's going to be a lovely drive up there in the 50s and 60s on the motorways when they first opened up yeah did he, he didn't get um they didn't just send them all home then from from his university always well i don't know if he wants to come back <laughs> year two you know it's that point where you start moving away a bit you're thinking uh, okay i've got my i've got my flat now the first year is in is in like um yeah halls of residence so they get booted out at easter time and christmas and now he's not he's no real reason to come back um so, now uh, there's no obviously right. um to give you the bad news, though, my daughter was the same. She was like, I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to come back. I'm not coming back. Yeah. And then she got to the end of the third year and she's like, I'm coming back. And she's, you know, back living with us because it's so expensive <laughs> to buy a house in our area and things like that. So it was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to come back. And then suddenly she's there. Yeah, and and, and and she's like, why would I want to move out at the moment? This is I've got it easy in this house. So. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe daughters are different. I don't know. I know I didn't want to go, but I did very different times, obviously. Um, so I went to university in the early nineties. Um, I finished about ninety four, and the thought of going back home was like, God, no, that's not on my mind at all. But I did go back for a couple of months. Um. I'd moved down to London and then I finished a job. I moved into another job and it it wasn't right for me. And uh, my partner, who is now my wife, she uh, went up to study in Leeds. So I went and moved up there. So I went back home for a couple of months and I was like, oh, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> um, that's, that's where my daughter went to university up in Leeds. So, um, she, I mean, she loved, she did love it up there. I and mean, she's like, 
The only thing is, so she works in, um, she, she, she works as a designer in advertising. And she says the problem that she's got is it's, it's a very Southeast centric kind of environment in, in a lot of ways. So the opportunities that she had coming back down here were, were going to be that much bigger for her. So, um, she kind of like tended to, it's, it's an easy option as such to be down here. So. Well, thing. I mean, I went up to Sunderland to study, and at the end of that, it was like, okay, where's the work? It wasn't in the northeast, so no. I had to, had to shift and came down to London purely initially for a, for um, a chap I was living with, his ex girlfriend, even at the time, and uh, came down just for her birthday. And we looked at each other as we were down here, walking around London, and we're going why don't we just come down here you know what, what, it's not it's not working for us up in the northeast and um yeah. and that was that really you know um so was that, I mean, IT? Was that in it uh, paul have you always oh, been well, in i was trying to get it I, yeah I, I i didn't have a clue what i wanted to do when i was growing up at all and my dad kept saying to me, all, no, I didn't have a clue. And, uh, you know, my dad was like, you must know by now. I mean, he went straight into the mines. Not Sorry, he wasn't a miner. He worked. He was an electrician, but the industry was there in, in, yeah. in Yorkshire. Um, obviously, that all fell apart in the 80s. But, um, you know, for me, I didn't want to do that anyway. But he was like, what do you want to do? You should know by now. You're 14. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and so I... I, I I went, oh, journalist, I don't know. Um, but I, I was into art. I was doing a lot of art stuff. Then I kind of sacked that off at sixth form and went more to the business studies things. And then it was only really at uni when, or poly, sorry, poly stroke uni, uh, that I, 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 Windows came on board and I, at Microsoft. And I was like, oh, I, I get this. Yeah. But then I, it was like trying to get a job was hard because I didn't have work experience. So I mean, you know, for yourself, how did you how did you get involved in it all? I, I, I was always I, I I was doomed to be in IT because I, I you know I remember so going back I mean my first I can remember back in the early eighties you know when the when the first um, home computer boom happened in the, in the UK you know the, the, so um, always. I was like, this is something that, that I get. Yeah, I, I kind of like, I get it because yeah, quite my brain thinks quite logically through through problems. Mm. Um, yeah, so it really does match computers really well. So, like, yeah. Um, yeah, it was like Dragon Thirty Twos and and Oryx and 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 the BBC Micro and obviously I was a ZX Spectrum man because you know cheap, cheerful, hook up to your TV. War on that, yeah, 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 exactly. But you, um, and as well as that, in those early days, you know, you would get you would get the pro you remember getting a program in the back of the magazine and you'd type it out and then it wouldn't work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 you know, we're all chatting about this on the podcast. You get these bloody magazine listings, you spend hours typing it up, and then you just errored in it straight away. Yeah, and you were like, Oh, shall I go through all that and work it out? No. No, I did. That's my problem. Oh, you? I was, I, yeah, I'd spent I'd hours working out where their code was wrong and things like that. And then, and then it's the same at school. So uh, did, then I was doing like you know GCSEs, computer studies, right? Um, I should I say? Yeah, I'm going to say it. I probably knew more than the teacher about programming. 
you know, yeah. because because I'd already learned to program and stuff like that. And I'd be like correcting, no, 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 your your program wouldn't work. You know, da, 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 da. oh, we can we can optimize this bit of programming here. And so I'd be told, yeah, just go and help other people with their programming. Right. <laughs> and so it was easy for me. You know, that course was probably going to happen, and I ended up doing my degree in IT. You know, and right, um, okay. And then, See, my then, computer studies it was very different. So I did O-level computer studies, and we had a teacher who was pretty mad. Mr. White, he was called. He looked like Mark Knopfler, yeah. <laughs> he was a <laughs> image of Mark Knopfler. And he used to come in with uh, the, the headband on as well to make himself look <laughs> more like it and flick his hair back and all that. But he was mental, and, it, it, you know, he it, it, it it, it distracted the whole lesson, not the kids, He'd walk in, right, and um, everyone would be sat down. All of a sudden, he'd go, tss, tss, and he'd be looking around the room. Start again. And then he'd all of a sudden, he'd have this carrier bag, and he'd pull out this toy uh, snake, soft, soft, cuddly toy snake, and attack his neck with it. And he'd go, ah, 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 right across the room. And you'd go, Jesus Christ, this guy's going to be teaching me any minute. But he'd just spend the whole lesson just talking about anything. And you'd never get anywhere. So that's where my skills of computer studies come from. Oh, God. That, that, that uh, would, yeah. See, that would be my problem if I was a teacher, you see. I I, I, I like to keep, and, and we do the same in work, I like to keep it, uh, our team fun. I like to, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have work, have you know, you're gonna work. It's it's you do this, you know, you spend a lot of your time doing this, right? Make it fun, keep it fun, have fun with what you're doing. Yeah, and and that's the thing. That's why IT is so easy for me. I love it. I absolutely, you know, my my wife my wife has spoken to her friends. Uh, you know, she she was no, she was at work one day and they was on about your job and they were saying like, oh, you know, it's a job. Nobody loves their job. I, she said, no, 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 you're wrong there. You haven't met my husband. And they said, no, no, he doesn't love his job. And she said, no, no, he honestly does. And I often say to my boss, you know, yeah, I have my, I have my reviews, and he'll turn around to me and say, you know, is there anything? I said, no, just just thanks for paying me for what I absolutely love doing. (laughs) It's ideal for me. I go into work and, and somebody gives me, somebody tells me, Hey, can you do stuff with computers all day? And I'm like, yeah, of course I can. Come on. (laughs) But yeah. I mean, that's exactly when I got my first job in IT, this this is like 25 years back or whatever, 30 years ago. It's exactly what, I felt going into that first job, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe people are paying me to yeah. go on a computer. Yeah. It's still the same. I mean, changed it's still the same. <laughs> you've, you've retained that. You've retained that. Well done. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I still like, you know, you pay me. I, I mean, I started working, when I first started in the industry, I was a, I was a, um, I was a visual C++ programmer. So, you know, like right. real geeky, you know, yeah. <laughs> us, you know us, us guys that do what we do, yeah. For, uh, and I work in a development organization, right? Developers are like, yeah, f- they're, they're, forget that. They're crazy guys, you know. I, the only problem I had, yeah, I find development can become, it becomes, or at least at the time, it's quite solo, you know. It was quite, you know, I need to just switch in and, and, and churn out code here and get things working. And um, my first company discovered that um, I like talking and, and and you can put me. So I, I worked behind a bar when I was at uni. I was quite, I wasn't quiet before that, but I was, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, 
you know, as confident as what I was until, you know, I get behind a bar and, uh, like, and suddenly you have to talk to people. And this is in the days when you, you know, people would come in, they'd tell you that the whole, the whole of their world, you know, the whole of their life story, you know, <laughs> at a bar, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I can do this. I can talk to people. And then, you know, my first company understood that and they was like, put them out in front of customers. And they did. You know, they put me out in front of customers and I was like, yeah, yeah, we can do this. We can do that. We can sort this out for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and let me let me get things working for you. And so that, that, remember, did that become a shift then in, in what it, so yeah, by them yeah. doing that, that changed from you just tapping away and coding to doing other, other things? Yeah, 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 100%. It just totally changed my focus because I was like, wait a minute, you're now – not only are you paying me to sit at computers and, and play with computers all day, you're paying me to talk to people as well. <laughs> to just talk, yeah. This isn't work, guys. Come on. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. It was crazy. You know, it was just like, hey, you know, I can do this. I can talk to people. I can, you know. And, and then, I mean, one of, one of my one of my things from that first job that I got it, and it was it was it was so funny because so, I used to travel about you know like we're saying and that we used to have a mm. thing like you I, I used to we have a lot of customers in in the Manchester area uh, and um they would be like okay um Chris this customer's got a problem he got to Manchester we always say you had to clear Birmingham Birmingham about seven half seven in the morning otherwise that you're not getting to manchester right so i have to always you know clear that go and have breakfast somewhere and then carry on up right so i went up to birmingham one day and uh sorry to manchester one day lovely customer you know kind of like i phone them up and tell them when i was going to arrive because they'd open up their little private car park for me to actually drive my car in and that and they'd say you know phone us up five minutes before you're here i would and they'd say right we'd make sure the kettle's on and, and you'd go and sit down they'd say and you say right what's wrong and they said no 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 let's have a cup of tea and a chat first and you would yeah lovely best cup of tea go up north if you want a decent cup of tea as well yeah so um and we would do that we'd have a cup of tea and then i said i said right what's your problem and said, this and i was like okay da, 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 da. there you go it's fixed they go but chris you've only been here half an hour i was like yeah, I know. I said, but it's all work. I said, is there anything else you want me to do while it's while I'm here? And they're like, no. They said, but uh, honestly, we feel so foolish sending you up here for like. I said, look, don't worry, don't worry. I said, I'll probably pop in and see one of our other customers or something. And they said, oh no, no, no. If your company phones you, give us. Yeah, you know, we've got your mobile number. We'll phone you up and tell. But we're telling them you've only just left. You know, if they phone up or something. <laughs> yeah, and it was like that. Yeah, you went out, you did half an hour's work like that, and it was, it was just crazy. You know, love, love, lovely customers, and that. And you, you suddenly you built up that relationship with your customers uh, and things like that, and it it was really cool. Just gassing but, away, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so going back to uni then, Chris, I, I've kind of worked out just by your conversations on Twitter recently that. I, I think we're pretty much the same age, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think you, you're you're probably I think you're a couple of years ahead of me, but uh, I'm yeah. seventy one, not seventy one yeah, years old, but <laughs> born in seventy one. I, like I was seventy two, but right at the end of seventy two. Right. So oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm the big boy. Um, so I like you, you between uni as well. So what's that? Between, but I had a year out between between sixth form and uni as well. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I had three going. years at sixth form. Yeah, I so like, well, oh, I, I did. Oh, okay, so I was like, well, you know, I'm going to go out into the big wide world and all this stuff. Why do I want to go? Yeah. And then, and then I realised the big wide world wasn't for me at that point. So, 
Yeah, yeah, that's it. I, I, I didn't know what, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. So I ended up dropping art at sixth form and, and then taking on board uh, business studies. Mm. Very exciting. Um, and did that A-level in one year. So I was there for three years. I didn't actually start uni until 90. So what did you start about 91? Oh, uh, God, no. 92. 92, I think. My, 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 92. 92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, yeah. just before my 20th birthday. So 92 I started out. Right, yeah. and where did you go to go to uni then? I was Brunel, but I did my HND first because I was like, you know what, two years HND, I'll finish that, and then topped it up to my to my IT degree at the end of it, so for two years, so so I actually okay. spent four years at university. So it's like, yeah, brilliant. Give me another two years <laughs> of this, and, and, and then came out came out in um, uh, nineteen ninety six. So just at the height of Britpop. So this is it, right? So so I know. So you're. So this is it. You're very vocal on Twitter at the minute on the Tim Burgess Twitter parties, yeah. Tim Burgess, what a hero! What a hero! I love that guy. uh, (laughs) Does he know you? Uh, No, but uh, yeah, no. um, uh, That's right now. IT's a passion, but now you've hit on my real passion. I have three passions yeah. in life, right? One, football club, <clears throat> Liverpool football club. Right, anyway, yeah, I've that seen one. that on Twitter, uh, LFC, well, it says. I, I, I thought, try, oh, not, try not to discuss. Foot, right, the, the weird thing is, right, football tri- is tribal. It's tribal, though. So that's why I don't really get involved in football, right? Uh, and actually, I, I did once on Twitter, right? And that was with Lego. Because Lego released this Man United's Old Trafford Stadium. Big Lego fan, right? But I'm like, you guys do not understand that, right? That's tribal, yeah? Where's, where's Anfield? Where's, where's, you know, you'd be, you'd, you'd be like, come on, you can't do that to us. So, you know, particularly, you know, Man United, I'm like, oh, God. But, you know, that's tribal. So I stay out of it a bit more on Twitter, right? Yeah. There's, there's a the lot of uh, LFT fans who are uh, config manager people. You've got Jerry Harrison, Kent, yeah. Kent he's one as well. Anyway, go on. Well, the weird thing was, actually, we were in MMS last year, and um, I was in a session as Liverpool were playing Barcelona at Anfield. Um, but I know Jorg, Jürgen um, Nielsen was watching. They, they had it on his laptop, and I, could, I should have left my session and gone and watched the game. But I was in this session. Um, who was running it? Garth was running the session on reporting. Oh, yeah. But basically, I had my laptop up with the things, and I was just sat there going, oh, my God, it's 2-0, two, it's 2-0. Two two <laughs> what is 4-0? What's happening? You know, in the other life, you know. But, so I'm in the session there. No, no, no. I was speaking to Jürgen and, and, and Ken and uh, Jerry. Jerry, yeah, we, we, we talk. You know, that's, that's, that's the one thing we can talk about as that's well. That's your banter. Yeah. Yeah. But... I've got that. But music. The IT, but it's the music. Music's my real passion, by the way. I I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm insanely, I'm, I'm sometimes a little bit geeky about certain parts of, on the music side. You know, I go a little bit, you know, heavy into certain bands. The Charlatans being one of them. So, you know, um, I've seen the Charlatans. Well, I've got tickets for about 20 gigs, 20 or 20, 25 gigs, but um, ticket stubs. I like my ticket stubs, but you don't get them anymore, do you? You get them delivered electronically. Oh, I'm like, oh, I need my ticket stubs. But then there was gigs where you used to go in and they used to take your stub off you and not give them you back at the end. And I was like, 
You're I fighting them for it. Where's my stuff? That wasn't my one. That's you know, kind of thing. So there's ones that I've lost. So, you know, it's probably seen them about 30 times. And you're taking really? performances and that as well. So, yeah, yeah, it was, it's, it, 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 so we should know who you are then. You're almost stalking him. In I, a way, yeah, right? I feel like it at the moment because yeah, I'm constantly <laughs> tweeting him with these listening parties. But um, some insane, you know, something insane has happened with those because I remember when they first started. So he used to do them just for the Charlatans albums. He'd have a listening party, say, "Hey, tonight we're gonna we're gonna listen to telling stories," and then I'll tell you, you know, and he, he'd tweet, you know. This this happened, or when we were in the studio, particularly telling stories, you know, that, what that band's been through, the charlatans, and, you know, uh, unbelievable stuff. But he, he, he would do this. But then in lockdown, his thing has been, has have Twitter listening, listening parties. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and get my friends along to actually introduce their album. And he's and he might know one or two. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, there's so many that I know. There's stuff, stuff that I didn't know. So I was listening to Sleaford Mods, um, um, and I, I, I haven't, I haven't heard any of their stuff until I joined the listening party. Interesting stuff. Very, you know, it's it takes it kind of like harks back a bit to the to the to the punk days where yes. music really yeah. had a had a message in it real weird one was the style council the other night um oh you were uh, listening to this uh, weren't you yeah. shop yeah jeez yeah my word though but you, do you know what you you listen to that music on uh, god i'm gonna sound really pretentious or geeky now about it that that's that's an album that, that works on different levels for different people because i think that you know you listen to the music and you're thinking hey this is kind of like quite fun soulful kind of music but then you 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 check out the lyrics of that stuff, you know, and you're like, holy crap, you know, this was so political, but you didn't realise it with the Style Council. You realised it with the Jam. The Jam were a political band. The punk movement was based about, you know, inequalities and politics of what was happening at the time, right? But you didn't understand that. Let's say that was exactly the same with the Style Council. And I went through those lyrics and I was, you know, I was like looking at some of the lyrics as, as we were going on. And I was like, you know what? This this rings so true in our modern world now. You know, in, in since since the time that this was released, I mean, when was that? 80, 80 you know, it had been like... 84? Uh, 84 would be my guess. Yeah. You know, I'm mm. not that good. But, you know, since the time of release, not a lot has changed in our world. You know, or it has, perhaps in cycles, but we always end up going back, you know... Um, um, oh yeah, I mean even the the specials, for example, they yeah. released an album last year, but they were kind of saying, well, you know, those first two specials albums, if you listen to what we're talking about, it's still totally relevant forty years down the line. Mm. They're doing a listening party as well, by the way. It's yeah, no, the, the one I'm looking forward to is uh, John Shuttleworth. Oh yeah, <laughs> See, I don't know it. I don't know any of his music, so I will listen. And that's that's the weird thing is actually it's listening to the stuff where you haven't listened to before. That's that's where. Or I, I tell you, the one that really got me was the because uh, I'd only just picked up on the album, and that was the Cocteau Twins. Um, oh right, from Heaven or Las Vegas, right? I um yeah, I'm an Apple Music man, not a Spotify man, so um. Uh, 
because they had a family plan actually, the, the, you know, which Spotify didn't have at the time. So it's easy for me to say to our kids, "Hey, go, go off and do that." And 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 their music came up on a playlist, and and and, and some stuff from Heaven or Las Vegas came up as a recommendation. And um, so I, I listened to a, a, a few of the tracks and listened to the album probably about three weeks before they did the um, uh, listening party. So I'd listened to that album what once all the way through and a few of the tracks a few times yeah but to go into that listening party it was um um it was really really cool i just i really 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 cannot say go out if you haven't heard heaven or las vegas yeah go out and listen to it as an album and i never have they were one of those bands I never really got into. So, no, you know. no. same, same here, same here. I wasn't into them, and then suddenly, you know, and, and actually, the other thing that I uh, that I kind of like tweeted out quite a bit was uh, on in these parties is how your even listening to a single album over time evolves, and your favorite track becomes yeah, it's, it's still a favorite track, it's still a good track, but actually, what's happening is the track that you didn't think was 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 a was a an outstanding track suddenly becomes your outstanding track over time happened with quite a few bands for me stone roses being one you know you pick up on some of the stuff and then suddenly you think actually no 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 the first stone roses album uh, uh, and it's so easy now to skip through them isn't it that's the thing you know back in the day i mean i still buy vinyl i'm sure you do i don't Um, i don't believe it or not no no i right so I have, I have a, yeah, so I have B&W speakers, which I've just got no space for anymore in our house, you know, with the kids and everything. Um, so they're actually um, locked away somewhere, you know, a set of B&W 603 floor standards. Um, I've got an Arcam amplifier, which is just power and a set of DIN audios at the moment. And then I've got a, um, an Arcam CD player. Now, there is a reason why I haven't gone down the vinyl. There's two reasons, right? One, to go down the vinyl route, the one thing that I would want is a listening room. And so I can shut people out, right? Because if I'm going to stick on an album on vinyl, yeah, it's it's a listening experience for me. Yeah, so I'd be again. I'm probably sounding really pretentious here, but I'd want to sit down and just soak up that album, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing that I know, if I because I I was like it with CDs, you know, I've got like 700 CDs in the cupboard. Right, um, you know, which you know, huge amounts of music, both you know, from across the whole spectrum. Right, um, but I would, it would take over my life if I started collecting vinyl, really right. big time. Right. I was looking, I was looking the other day, and, and a deal came up for the Dubs album, um, so all three of them, the first three ones, right? So Lost Souls, uh, Last Broadcast, and Some Cities, right? Double, double albums, coloured vinyl, yeah. And I looked at them, and I was like, oh. And then, and then by doing this, you know, because I've got an amp that can take. It's already got a phono pre-stage in it, yeah. So I've already, yeah. got, I've already got the amp set up, yeah. And I was sat yeah. There, but then the problem is, I know what I'm like, and I know that you know, like, I know that when when you when you start looking at vinyl, because when when we were in the CD world, your your system went in thirds as such. You'd put a third of your of your budget on the CD, third on an amp, and and a third on the speakers. I know that when you get to vinyl. It's all about the source, yeah, because you have to, without a good, without a good um, uh, record deck, yeah, it, it it doesn't, without a good deck, it doesn't work, 
you know, oh, it wouldn't work for me, yeah? So I know that if I started down this path, I know that the first thing I'm going to do is go and spend a good part of, of 700, 800 pounds on a turntable, yeah? And, mm. and, then, <laughs> and then the vinyl that goes with it would end up costing me a fortune. So I've avoided it until I've avoided it. I keep looking, though, longingly. Yeah, I mean... The thing, it's, it's, and also, you start to, as you probably did with CDs, you you start to buy everything again. Mm. So, I I mean, you know, I, it's a Buffalo Tom record that's dropped through the post today for me. And um, 25th anniversary, red vinyl. And I didn't have it when I was at uni. I used to listen to a mate's copy who I lived with and I had it on cassette, you know, I taped it off him. And um, it's just like, oh, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that. You know, it's like, okay, I've got to have it's – been, it's been obsessive. And uh, as a kid, I was – ridiculously yeah. so with, with with certain bands getting yeah. the seven inches the 12 inches oh there's a picture disc i'll get that the albums stupid you know see i was so i was this, i'm the same like so the charlatans going back right the, the the first single indian rope right so um is it's i, I basically i i had to trawl through record collector magazine in order to find somebody that was selling indian rope on a cd single because cd singles were hard to come by right. one oh, you, God, could yeah. get, you could get seven inch vinyl really easy but i wanted to see the single right so I, I ended up paying something like uh something like about 15 20 quid for the cd single because i wanted <laughs> them all <laughs> gotta have them all you know i was a bit same with 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 the early oasis albums and stuff as well because they would release an album and it would have a very you know like um so when we were just when we were doing the what's the story morning glory listening session right the album had a track called bonehead's bank holiday right sorry Bonehead, it's, it's not that great a track right? but i but i had <laughs> to be listening I had to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I had to have that track. I had to have it. So I went out and bought the vinyl. Then I had to, I've got nothing to play on. Okay. I, or, or, or then I contacted a mate and said, look, can, 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 you, bring, can you bring your turntable down? <laughs> what for? I, I, I need to record this one track on, on the tape, yeah. right? And then, and then I did it. <laughs> By the way, the weird thing is, before the, I, I, sold that, I sold that copy of What's the Story, Morning Glory, and I shouldn't have done I, 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 it. It's one of those things that I'm like, why did I do that? But I sold the, 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 my copy because it was a Creation Records copy. So it was... Right. It was rarer than the copies that you get now. And I think somebody paid me something like £55 for it. Yeah. And how much is it worth now, do you know? Yeah, don't even ask. Don't ask. Go on to Discord, have a quick look. (laughs) I've made the mistake of looking ones. I think people are paying anything up to about £90 for it now. And I had the same same with Be Here Now and and, um, definitely maybe. And it, uh, so I, I remember a mate of mine, he got uh, Jesus Jones Info Frico, uh, some kind of 12 inch, sort of, you know, a variant or whatever. And he was going, this back in 92 or whatever, going, this will be worth a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is. I think it's probably about 2.99 still. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Pick your fans. Well. So a, a, a friend, a, a, basically, my. Uh, my best mate who, who we 
he's he's done his back in now, so we don't get to the gigs. He will only now do gigs that he really, yeah. You know, there's there's certain bands that he will still go to, and that's it. Yeah, we we were going out, we were going out um, you know, at least twice a month, yeah, to gigs, and that in it's particularly in that um, that mid nineties period. And that, you know, went to my first ever gig with him. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, he he's he just can't get out as much now. So, um, and I'm like, yeah, fair enough. You know, he's he's had to retire virtually from that scene. He was uh, he's a bit older than me, but he was um, basically going to all the punk bands in in the late seventies, right? But he's got all those punk bands on on the color. He's he was the same, you know, like the, somebody would release something and it was on a limited edition, you know, red vinyl or something like that. And he's got all those on seven inch. And you're like, this your your collection is worth a fortune. The weird thing was, actually, he used to sit down and record um the um John Peel sessions on a reel to reel machine. Right, that's oh that's God. that's you know, yeah. His dad yeah. had this real, real to real machine. He goes, "Here, you can have this," and he recorded all the Peel sessions. And he said, and 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 it was like, and we used to say to him, "These things are gold." You know, you've got mm. all these Peel sessions, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, nobody else I have these." And he said, and then the internet came, and he said, and I could download the whole lot that I had for 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 just like that. He said because yeah. I wasn't the only one that recorded them all. He said Everyone I was. Doing it. He said that yeah. everybody had recorded these on tape and he said and suddenly the internet bought the whole he said and stuff that I didn't manage to record. He said and now I've got all these you know he's he's he's, he's but you never know do you? you could have been the only one doing it. I know like the Doctor Who's you know the TV series. Yes. The, they wiped all those back in yes. the day but people recorded off air and and those all the audios have survived. You know, little people like that doing that. Yeah. You, you might be the only one doing that. There, I think there was like two or three people doing it for Doctor Who, and they managed to cobble it all together and, and effectively get all the episodes at least in audio format. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You spend hours and hours doing that thing, recording it, and then like you say, I can download it off the internet in minutes now. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I was doing the same, though, with um, through that 90s period. I was doing the same with, you know, all the bands and that that we would that we were going to see or, or, or I was into. So there, and there's some weird things like, um, oh, God, there was a program. It was it was called. I'm sure it was called Hotel Babylon, but it wasn't the Hotel Babylon that we would know. And it was Danny Bear was the presenter on it. I can remember that. Oh, God, yeah. Echo Belly appeared on there and did a version of um, Atom, right? Um, which if, if it was only ever a B-side, right? And I was like, oh, and I recorded this and I had it on video and I had these whole videos that were basically just full of, you know, me sat there waiting, right? They're coming on, boom, uh, TGI Friday, stuff like that. TGI Friday, TGI, God, that's bad. Friday and all that stuff, yeah. I was recording just the bands. Did you get the Sean Ryder one, yeah? Yes, yes, I did. It's uh, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. We won't use the language he was using on that particular broadcast. Oh, no, no. yes. well, <laughs> and the word? Did, the word? Did you record the word? Yes, yeah, the word, yeah. the word, the white brilliant. room as well. Can you remember white, the white room? I think. Um. Oh white God, room. what's this? Yeah, I mean, they had a, there's there's some classic again. though, no, but now I can go on YouTube, and these are all on YouTube. Somebody did the same as me and recorded all this. And I'm like, 
okay, I can now I, I can get lost in YouTube, you know, particularly if I'm working late at night and I just like put stuff on in the background. I'm like, and, and particularly after the listening party. So I've been doing these. So like we did the. It spins you off then to look at other things, does it? I take it. Yeah, I mean, it does, it does, but uh, it, and and, it, and it's weird, you know. Do you, do you do the tiny desk um, YouTube's at all? The tiny oh, desk. Oh, I've seen a few of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. fantastic some of those as well that I, I've I've gone through and that. Um, uh, and, well, we just and, have this. We just have this. Uh, you know, this great thing on the internet that gives us all this now. Um, which obviously, you know, has impacted artists because we used to buy all their stuff and now we can just freely listen to it and watch it. But having that, you know, we didn't have that back in the day. Did we? It's recording your own mixtapes, wasn't it? You know, you, compilation oh, tapes and all that. What did I say, though? I said it on Twitter quite a lot just recently, right? Mixtapes, right? What did you used to do? You used to know your starting song. You used to know, know where you wanted to get to at the end. I, or at least I do. Maybe I'm a bit too geeky about all this music. I knew how I wanted it to start, how I wanted it to end. And then everything yeah. in between was just trying to map, map out a... a, a, a journey god i do sound bad now i'm just listening to myself yeah. but it well that's what bands are trying to do when they do their album isn't it when they're doing yeah. the track listing that's what yeah. they want from it they've got the opener they want to hook you in and uh, and finish off i mean one of my favorite bands afghan wigs um yeah they they did an album the way but i've, I've oh, bit, check them out i'll go I'll check them out then. And they they did an album, uh, oh God, oh Jesus, uh, Black Love, it's called. It came out in about ninety six, ninety seven, and the the opener on that is 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 brilliant. He does it. So Greg Dooley does like um, uh, film noir style thing. His lyrics are very dark as well, but he's kind of got a story to tell in that album. But the last three tracks are just epic. Okay. You know, tracks to finish on and they, they it just each one just builds and builds and builds and those three tracks at the end uh you could actually listen to um as a, as a complete piece almost um but it's one of those where he plays it live and he might he might do those songs in that order you know and you're waiting for it sort of thing but they're one of they're one of the bands i will go and religiously see i didn't see them at all in the night so my gig gig um gig going was useless back in the 90s um i went to newcastle riverside was the big venue for me to go to and that's where nirvana played their first gig oasis had a, oasis had a punch up there um, um and stormed off that's not unique well, yeah. <laughs> i think it might have even been on the bbc or something you know weird like that but um uh, and i saw um buffalo tom i think i didn't go to see nirvana they played there and they played at another venue in Newcastle I didn't bother um but you know I didn't really do festivals I know you did um because I could see you tweeted about it yeah. <laughs> if you remember yeah. it then, great. yeah yeah <laughs> uh yeah it was it was so but the first gig that I ever went to um wasn't a gig it was like a course show because it was Pink Floyd um, when right. They okay. You sat film. and watched. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, don't get me wrong. One hell of an experience. Uh, incredible. 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 But then after that, it was it, you know it just it just kind of like started building up. Um, but yeah, festival wise, yeah. I mean, I did the obligatory Glastonbury in '95. Yeah, um, I've never been without a ticket. 
Um, somebody, right, somebody, somebody the fence. Yeah, where the fence wasn't there. You know, by the no. time you got there, the fence was down. You know, they sold something like you know ninety thousand tickets or whatever it is, yeah. and then one hundred seventy-five thousand people in there. It was crazy, <laughs> and it was a dust bowl. But then after that, I mean, I haven't been back. Um, right after that, but, uh, but you know, I've I've been I've been to, I've done the Reading, I've done I've done the V festivals, I've done uh, the Isle of Wight festival, and and I, and I do a lot of I did, there's a little one by us Penfest that you know plays a lot of the older bands and everything, so right. I tend to yeah. go there a bit and and so I yeah, managed V festival actually. Back in 2005, that was the first festival I ever went to. <laughs> I went to a single day purely because the Pixies reunited. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. I've never seen them, yeah. by the way. I would love to have seen them. So, but uh, um, I must, I must. When you know, but uh, are they going to be the same? Uh, they're not. They're not. So I've seen them now. Yeah. Now that Kim Deal left, you know, it's not yeah. the same. And it's a bit of a karaoke thing. And in fact, I think the last two that I went to of theirs were both full album shows. So, but to be honest, their new stuff's not that great. So I'd rather listen to the old stuff. That's my um, that's my problem, you see, because I go, go I used to go and see Morrissey a lot because I was a big Smiths fan. Never got to see the Smiths, so um, I, I went to see. But the the last gig of his that I went to, I said that's it, never again, because it was. How can I say this without being rude to what was or what is one of my idols? You know, particularly with the Smiths, was it became a bit of a crooning session. Um, yeah, and, and I was, I was like, going to say the cabaret thing, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I felt, and I was like, you know, and and, and by the way, the second person that I ever saw live was Morrissey, and uh, and 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 it was just a, a really weird experience, you know, because I was just getting into him, I was just just got into the Smiths, just got into Morrissey, and and. Th- there was a state, you know, he used to basically encourage people to get up and invade the stage. And, the, and I can remember this guy getting up and he's singing away and this guy gets up and kneels down in front of him and he and just takes his hand and just kisses it and then just gets no. off the stage. And I'm like, this is oh, the geez. weirdest, you know, it's like, <laughs> it was real worshipping. I tell you, the, the other band that I've seen that, that recently, I saw them last year, it's the first time. Now, again, I'm a casual listener to this band, right? But I still go and see. By the way, support your artist. If you're going to support your artist, go and see them live as well. Uh, uh, really, really that's, that's what I kind of tend to do nowadays because, as I say, too much streaming and that going on, not enough buying. But when, 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 when an album comes out that is just totally and utterly, I need this album, then I will go out and buy, you know, still, because it, and particularly with certain bands that I just follow religiously. But... Um, go and see him live, but I went to see um, Bell and Sebastian. Okay, the, the crowd's mad. The crowd is just <laughs> out there. I'm like, wow, you know, it's 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 hero worshiping, you know, and and they know, you know, I know a, a lot of the songs. They know the whole catalogue, right? And as a band. They kind of like they've taken requests throughout the week on what they're going to be playing, and then they're like, "Well, so and so requested this. Are you here? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, boom, and they they play it, right? And then they're they're playing along, and they're saying, "Oh, we're thinking of um, what what could we follow that up with? We're, we're gonna we're gonna do this now." And then somebody shouted out, "No, do so and so," and they goes, "Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah, let's do that instead." And they just you know not practice. They just drop around. Brilliant. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's nice because they're, they're listening to it. I mean, you know, when I go see Greg Dooley in Afghan wigs, I know he's got a set list and he's not going to change that. Yeah. He'll interact with the crowd and that, but to totally swap and change on the fly is brilliant. You know, it's yeah. uh, I love it. I love quite it. refreshing. Do that. And as well as that, I love it when, because you, you, you do, you can now go in, you can see what roughly what, they, what they've been, you can see what they've been playing, actually. There's a you know, set list. And I love it when a band just totally throws you out. Arcade Fire did it. We went to see Arcade Fire. I uh, took my son, sons and daughter to see um, uh, Arcade Fire um, a couple of years ago at Wembley Arena. Jarvis Cocker came on with them and did a song, <laughs> um, uh, Run in the World. So if you search for Run in the World, um, yeah, don't be offended by the lyrics, please. Um, honestly, <laughs> came out and played that with them and it was just like one of those moments where I was like, I'm glad I was there. Um, but again, play di- they play different set lists every single night, different guests every single night. I think one night they had like Florence from Florence and the Machine was there, Florence Welch and, and Boy George, Chrissy Hind. You know, they brought out these guests. It's a real mix. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm bringing out Jarvis. You can imagine how a London crowd, you know, a UK crowd reacted to that. It was just like, okay, okay, godlike moment. Thank you. Jarvis Cocker, you know, he's, he's there. Total, uh, that, for me, that's total hero worship, you know. And then we were talking he's, about... He's a, he's a good old Yorkshireman, is how I put it. Yeah, he likes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes to say what he what he thinks, sort of thing. So, yeah, Chris, you know, we've, been, we've been chatting for a while. I could talk for much longer about this. Yeah, so, sorry. But we're, <laughs> no, 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 but no, absolutely. Um, give me, just give me a... All right, if you can, give me a five bands that are your big bands that you go these are my go-to bands that i always listen to obviously the charlatans is going to be one Charlatans of them, yeah. the number one of them um I, I get a lot of derision from some of the other musical press but shed sevens another one um the reason being they're a fun band they they, they, they do you know what you know what you're going to get and you always get a hundred percent performance rick witter and the boys respect to them yeah always go and see them uh suede are another one I always go and see Suede when they're when they're touring. Uh, I love Suede. Um, Brett's just so class. Uh, really is. <laughs> um, from the newer parts, as I say, the ones that we just recently started doing, Arcade Fire. You know, definitely the next time they tour, we're going. I've seen them on the last two tours. Yeah, both times have just been absolutely outstanding. And who would I put as my last one? Oh my gosh! Do you know what? I'm struggling because they could be anybody here. Let's go Happy Mondays, right? Because okay. Because you always have fun, right? And I took I took my children to see Happy Mondays for the first time last year. Yeah, twice actually, once at a festival and once and once and once actually on their own. And it was amazing fun. Um, yeah, so let's put those in. But they, honestly, the list would be just too long because I, I constantly go, I constantly want to go, oh, editors, editors, big shout out to the editors. Editors, right. Yeah, right, I've got a mate sorry. who's into them. Yeah. Got, to, got to shout out that one, actually, because, um, uh, again, so, uh, the last band that I saw as well this year, um, incredible, incredible gig. So. Yeah, and one day we'll be able to all get back to gigs eventually. I'm looking forward to that moment. Um, but the, I mean, I for, for me, if you're going to go see a band live, you're not going to be able to see them now. But I was really into Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine. Oh, is it, uh, you, know? you saw them, did you? No. 
I didn't see them in the nineties, but I've see I saw all their re- the Reformation gigs, and they did them wow. every year. Me and a friend, and we were right in the heart of the mosh pit, and that was an exhausting. Oh, night, oh but... my god! Do you know what? I've never seen them. Really wanted oh, to see Jesus. them. They're an insane you know what? band. They played. Um, so, so obviously they hadn't played together for a while. They split up. Uh, remain good mates, but purely because. Um, they they won't get in anyone going to the gigs anymore. They just stopped doing it. Um, but the um, what was it? The guy from uh, oh god, oh I've forgotten the name of the uh, forgot the name of the band now. But one of the guys, uh, one of the people they knew died. Uh, he was called Wiz. Was he from Gang? Not Gang of Four. I can't remember. Anyway, they they did a they, there was a, a a charity a sort of you know fundraising night in his memory, and we had um, the guy from Therapy singing Andy Cairns. Uh, we had uh, Senseless Things. Um, I don't remember who else. Anyway, um, <laughs> the two guys from Carter were going to play, and they um, announced it as an acoustic thing. So we, they were on last and they came on and they got the drum machine and the samples and actually found them and decided to just do it like that. So it was all kind of, you know, pretend that they were going to do this acoustic set and they brought it on and they played four songs and they completely brought the house down and everyone was like, oh my God, you know, brilliant. Uh, totally out of the blue. And then they decided later that year that they'd do a to celebrate. I think they'd been split up for X amount of years, of kind of a celebration to do a Reformation gig. And they did the whole thing. And it's just a mental experience. And it's probably not even worth watching on DVD. I've got one of the DVDs of that. But the experience of being there, the light shows, they're unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, we were right in the heart of the mosh pit. So it was... Uh, <laughs> It was, I remember one bit, we were kind of, you know, maybe a third of the way back, right at the back of the mosh pit. And by the end of the song, I was actually on the front row. And I thought, how the hell should I get there? You know, how did that happen? And just getting crushed to death. Brilliant. Anyway, Chris, thanks ever so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed having a chat with you about this. And I could talk to you for for hours about the music stuff as well. Yeah, Um, unfortunately, you've probably gone on about it too much, but sorry, it's it's my passion above all IT as well, so you have to suffer that with me. (laughs) I'm not suffering at all, mate. I I totally love chatting about it. And, you know, I'd say you're more a Britpop era guy. I'm more of a grunge Seattle era guy. I think that probably lines up with where we went at the time that we went to uni. Yes, it, it would do. That. It would do. It would yeah. do, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 But then you you move on. I've moved on to you know slightly the the uh, as I say yeah you know I saw Oasis live so many times yeah um uh, and but um really sometimes as well though it's, it's the slightly fringe of Britpop in some ways as well so bands that weren't really there. Suede in particular, you know what, that Dogman style listening session was just, I was like, okay, so, you know, and, 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 yeah, but anyway, we must stop. Oasis and, Oasis and Blur, I'd say you were the, the, the Oasis guy, yeah, in that yeah. battle. Now, you see, I saw Blur a few times as well. <laughs> so, it's unfair, unfair, don't put that one on me, because I, did, I, I right. did the park life listening party as well. 
because because you know I I'd seen them a few quite a few times. I'd seen them in the park life era as well. So you know it wasn't just something like oh yeah you know this this band's gone big now yeah you know I saw them you know just as they were kind of like going big as well. So it's yeah brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. No, I was Oasis, so uh, I, I, I listened to a bit more Blur in the late night. Uh, no, I don't know when. Yeah, late nineties. Uh, yeah. When was it seventeen? Was that the name of the album? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's one with song two on thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. 13. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. So I listened to that, but but that's because to me they got a bit more guitar-y, a bit more. They, they heavy, got a bit more you know? interesting, didn't they? They they they. they yeah. oh, that's, no, that's unfair of me because as I say, I do. I listened to Park Life in that listening party, and I forgot because you know you're picking up albums that you you may not have listened to all the way through for you know quite a long time, and actually there were some tracks on there where I was like, do you know what? This was heavier than what I thought it was. Actually, it was a bit more you know blast out the guitars more than and Grant coxton's a great guitarist by the way you know absolutely absolutely brilliant guitarist so um, yeah, yeah and really of course you, you've changed in that time to and how you listen to things maybe yes matured or whatever so you listen it to from a different angle as well anyway look we, we we can talk for hours. Chris, thanks. Don't we mean to so, up on this? <laughs> we, we we, we're going to have to have a part two. So um, where, if people want to reach you on, on the socials, where, what, what are your handles? It's only Twitter. It's only Twitter. And it's young underscore Robbo on Twitter. I don't do any other social media. That is it. I don't. I don't blog. I don't do anything like that. I'm so bad for that. But um, I'm not really a good blogger. I. I, I and we never I'm even not... talked about WMUG and presenting because I was going to talk to you about that. And uh, stepping up to the podium, but never mind. So I think we'll have to get you back one time and chat some more about music Definitely. and presenting and all that. Definitely, Definitely. we're trying to it. You can you can keep half an hour of this one if you want, and you know, and then and then we can throw in another hour later on. <laughs> you know, anyway. But, I yeah, don't okay. have time to edit this sort of crap. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh damn! I just it, how this goes out is how we spoke and how we recorded it. I, no, I, I don't know. I don't edit it at all. So well, we'll do another one. Thanks, Paul. Enjoy the rest Chris, of your day. It's been a pleasure, mate. Stay, Thanks stay. ever so much for taking up your your morning uh, to to speak to us. And uh, it was nice that you did a few shout outs for your guys at work as well. Okay. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you again whenever we physically meet up. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Bye now.